Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish Football Podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Tell you what, that Tiger Woods is a dog's bollocks, isn't he? <laughs> Mixed race, you see. Part Afro-American, part white man, part Dutch and part Vietnamese. And then four different races have combined to produce the perfect golfer. And still so young. The Afro-American, right, that's his natural grace for his driving, right? The Vietnamese, for when he's in the rough, you got me? <laughs> All the jungles and that, they have a network of tunnels. The Dutch in him makes him laid back for his temperament. And the white man means he can get on the course in the first place. <laughs> For one night only, Simon Day and Friends, the brilliant character comic from The Fast Show, Brian Pern, and currently down the line on Radio 4. Saturday, June the 13th. Tickets only £5 and watch from the comfort of your living room. For tickets, go to biletto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends now. fans around the world and welcome to another Spurs show in lockdown. We're doing this over Skype. My name is Theo Delaney. We've got one of our, probably our most capped player, Rob White is here with me. Hello, Hello. Rob. How are you doing? All right. You've tracked me down in lockdown. I couldn't even get away from you here. You've got, there is no escape, mate. Nice I try. Like, um, I feel like I'm Dele up at um, Hadley Wood with uh, Mourinho here. <laughs> yeah, you'll be caught. Caught red-handed. Now, uh, also two, not one, but two debutants tonight, which is very exciting. We've got Jeff Jean here. Hi, Jeff. Hi, good afternoon. Have I pronounced your name correctly? Absolutely perfectly. Congratulations. 
Thank you. And you're from the Wet and Dry podcast. That's right. Tell us a bit about that. In a nutshell, I've given up drinking for 2020, uh, which in hindsight probably wasn't the best year. <laughs> but um, it is uh, it is a diary of that year with the person that I've probably drunk the most with over the last decade. He is really not happy with my decision. Um, and he wants to know why I ruined a year. He's drinking. He's the wet one. I'm the dry one. And okay. uh, it is our sort of search through what we thought would be quite frivolous. But actually, there's a lot of quite serious topics. You end up talking about mental health, midlife crisis, um, and obviously the current state of, of pubs and the plight of pubs under the COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, bloody hell. There's there's, there's a, such a range of tangents you can go off on there. I look for, I'm going to check that out. That sounds good. I like the sound of that. Uh, also with us for the first time from the Daily Mail, Daily Mail cricket correspondent, Paul Newman. Hello, Hi, Paul. Hi, right, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. And now what we do normally when we have debutants on the show, we're going to do it right now, is before we do anything else, we like to know your first ever experience of going to see Tottenham Hotspur. Let's start with you, Paul. When what, Do you remember your first game watching Spurs? I do. I remember it very clearly, Theo. It was 1973, before all you guys were born, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I know Rob was born slightly before me, so um, <laughs> uh, I'm not quite the oldest one here. Um, 1973, my dad owned a, a newsagent shop on Tottenham High Road, just by the corner pin. Um, and we'd had a couple of full starts where he tried to take me to games where I was perhaps a little bit too young. I remember he tried to take me to Stoke game in 72. And I have this image of standing at the back of Park Lane when Gordon Banks was in goal. I'm not sure if I've made that up, but I think that's what happened. But then he was going to take me to the um, 73 League Cup final for my first game uh, against Norwich at uh, Wembley. But unfortunately, I had the mumps, so I missed that. I missed Ralph Coates scoring the winner. So instead, he took me a couple of weeks later, seven years old, uh, against the uh, White Hart Lane against Manchester United. Uh, one, one draw. I just looked it up. I cheated slightly. I just looked it up to make sure my memory wasn't playing tricks on me, but it was a one, one draw. Martin Chivers, my first hero scored for us and George Graham for United. So that was, uh, that was my first game and I've been going ever since. Blimey. George Graham scoring for Man United. Oh, uh, Lane's quite, quite an extraordinary image. I'd yeah. forgotten he'd even played for Man United actually. Yeah, me too. I was surprised when I looked that up. I thought my first game I'd seen some of the greats, you know, like uh, Best and Charlton and Law, etc. But in the team sheet, I've just seen um, Bobby Charlton played, but the other guys didn't. I thought I'd seen George Best in my first ever game, but I didn't. But I'm glad I'm glad Chivers scored because he was my first uh, hero growing up. Um, so it, it was it was lovely to see that he scored in my first game to be reminded yeah. of that. He scored in my first game. And he was also my hero's Ams. Jeff, when did you first go? So I'm a I'm a closet Spurs fan until my teens. My dad uh, was a big West Ham fan and and played for West Ham a bit. Wow. Um, so I mean, one of my great claims to fame is that I've stood in the FA Cup um, at about the age <laughs> of three months. My dad bought it home from West Ham. Um, I mean, imagine that simpler times. He walked into the office and said, what's in the cardboard box? And they went, oh, that's the FA Cup. So he borrowed it, <laughs> bought it home. And there's a load of photos of me stood in it. Um, so I was a, I was taken to West Ham games as a kid, but but always supported Spurs. I, I think I distinctly remember watching the Coventry 87 final um, and deciding that I would be a Spurs fan, even though we'd lost. Um, so actually, mine was much later. I actually, like my first game actually at the lane was with my wife. Um, I took her to see uh, a friendly against DC United. Um, 
was was my first actual experience of going and seeing a game at White Hart Lane. Right. Well, contrasting stories. That's good. We, we like a bit of contrast. Now, before we get on to our main uh, uh, item on the agenda tonight, which we flagged up in advance on social media, and I'm very excited about, we should have a, a brief roundup of where we are with the the absolute disaster that this football season is at the moment. We've had no football since March. Uh, they're now talking about, I mean, the, the, to quote the boss of the Premier League, he said this week, we have confident, very confident that we will resume football in June. Paul, you work in a, a, a sports, although remotely at the moment, presumably, in a yeah. sports office on a major national newspaper. Do you think that's realistic? Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, I, I think it, I think it is actually Theo. I mean, I I, I write about cricket as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So um, whereas football's my passion, so I don't really get involved uh, in it professionally too much these days. Um, yeah. But from yeah. the vibes I'm getting, um, I think June 26 seems to be the the, the realistic uh, aim. Um, there obviously, you know, are, are still a lot of hurdles to 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 get over. Um, I mean, I think cricket wise, we're, we're perhaps in a better place. I'm, I'm getting very confident that cricket's going to start again on July the 8th. Um, but football, but obviously it's less of a contact sport. Maybe it's easier with cricket. Maybe there's fewer people uh, to, to sort of consider uh, less self-interest amongst the, uh, amongst the players and the participants. Um, but it, it seems as though, even though, you know, there clearly there's a lot of players with concerns who don't want to go back just yet. And, and obviously there's clubs with, you know, the, the relegation threatened clubs are, are, are were determined to, uh, to to sort of try and get out of relegation any way they can, aren't they? And there's a lot of self-interest involved. But I think generally our football writers and people in the office uh, are getting increasingly confident that we, it will get going towards the end of June with with our match against Man United, the uh, the first one up, it seems. Yeah, I mean, that'll, so that'll be, presumably, that'll be a massive television occasion if that is going to be live on the television. But there'll be no, needless to say, there'll be no fans there. But that, I mean, we'll be absolutely, I suppose in theory at least, we'll be absolutely gagging for some proper football by then. And so to a proper, Tottenham Man United is one of the great fixtures, isn't it? And it could be, uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine what it's going to feel like. I watched Dortmund Bayern Munich uh you know, not Dortmund by me, that's tonight. Uh, the Dortmund Schalke game the other week when they first kicked up, and it was weird. The actual qu- the quality of the football is pretty good, but the atmosphere is very strange. Don't know what to expect, really. I know it's going to be it is going to be weird, isn't it? Um, again, if you compare it to cricket, cricketers are often used to playing in front of empty stadiums. Certainly, county yeah. cricketers are, and some of the test matches we see England play abroad are played in front of very small crowds. So, it, it will be difficult. It will be difficult. It will be odd, won't it? But personally, I think it, it needs to be done because if we wait until all this is over, we could be waiting for some considerable time, won't we? Um, we're going to be waiting until a, a vaccine comes and how long is that going to be? So so I personally feel we're just going to have to get on with behind closed doors, make it as safe as possible, as long as, you know, we are over the worst of it and as long as there isn't a second spike. And and, and I think I think we'll get used to the, the, the behind closed doors element. I, I, I think it will just... I've watched a little bit of Germany and because I'm not invested in it. I find it hard to get into, but I think if it spurs, I'll be, I'll be as, I'll be as into it and as, and as furious and, and as, you know, emotional as, as, as when there's 60,000 there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right. I mean, uh, I don't know who, who will be lining up for spurs at that point, but there's a couple of little transfer rumors uh, in the papers today. One is that Levy's happy to offload, Juan Foyt for eight million quid, and so that's that's the headline. Is that that seems like a very reasonable price? Do you think he's, do you think he's undervalued in there, Rob? 
no, I think I think probably not. I think uh, obviously they've decided that uh, they tried the guy and he's not the guy that they think he was or thought he was going to be. So um, I think actually, weirdly, you know, nobody knows what the market is going to do or what the market is how the market is going to react at all. So yeah, um, yeah I just think. Uh, it's probably a time where if you can get eight million quid for him, then fine. Um, yeah. I just uh, just go back to the the um, you know football starting and stuff. I was talking yesterday, and, and I, I'm still not I'm still not convinced. I think I understand what you've just said, Paul, and I, I yeah fully understand. It was a really good argument. It's actually it's made me think about stuff that I have probably haven't thought about, but. The nightmare scenario, not nightmare, but the, the scenario is that, so nobody's explained to me fully yet what happens when Liverpool play the game to win the league and 20 or 30,000 Scousers, you know, we all know that's going to happen, try to get to wherever they are to watch that game. And I just think then you're in, then you're in uh, a real troubled, um, troubled times. And I understand that football is a business, premiership football is a business that is just like no other business. And it sort of has to, thinks it has to get back. But I don't know whether it's just whether it and uh, invested companies like um, betting companies and, um, you know, TV companies and, and the media, they've got a vested interest in getting this stuff back on the road. I must, I should have prefaced all that by saying, you know, I'm a board member of the trust and this is my own personal opinion. This is nothing to do with trust opinion. This is just my personal opinion. And I, I think sometimes football does lose sight of its own importance in, in the world. Um, and yes, it is very important to us, us all sitting at home. We want something to do, but I'm not sure. I would rather wait and, and get it done properly. That's my point on it. Well, we'll see, Jeff. The other, the other big story today in the. Uh... Uh, well, it's not even it's not a big story because there aren't any big stories. They're having to, There's only having one to big con- story today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But the um, no, but the other Tottenham story that seems to be quite prominent is that Teddy Sheringham's come out and said that Harry Kane wants to think seriously about leaving because his quote was, "You only get one career," and I think his clear implication is that if Harry Kane wants to win things, he needs to go somewhere else. What do you make of that, Jeff? Oh, I mean that that rumour's been around for a while and. You'd have to say under under Mourinho, I think it's slightly more likely that he might go. Um, I, I wonder whether if if abroad is the option, um, as someone with a young family, that's a that's something he wants to think about under under this climate. I wonder whether he wants to leave what is a a family environment. You know, we know. Well, we think we know that some sort of restrictions around travel are going to be in place for a while. Um, so I don't know if that will come into play with his decisions. Um, unlike Teddy to stir the pot, obviously. But um, I, I think I've resigned myself as a fan that, that he's not going to be a, a one clubber, that he'll leave us at some point. And now seems now seems like at the point of change, the time that he might go. Right. Well, I mean, the only, I guess the our biggest hope might be in this in this uh, current climate is that that the situation, this whole COVID nineteen situation, may prevent him from going for any number of reasons. One of which you just mentioned, which he may be less inclined to go abroad. The whole market's in turmoil. There's so much uncertainty that there'll be a lack of money, presumably. I mean, presumably transfer fees will come down across the board. Or 
I mean, it's just so much uncertainty. Maybe that, that maybe that's the only crumb of comfort when it comes to hoping we're going to keep Harry with us. But anyway, let's move on because, as I say, that's a, that's almost a non-story. Teddy Sheringham coming out and saying you've got to leave Tottenham to win cups is not really news. <laughs> so let's move on to what we what we're here to talk about. And Teddy Sheringham and Harry Kane may come up in this conversation. And uh, the premise that we put out on Twitter this week and that we're that we're faced with is this. And, and it came because I, I thought, you know, what I've always thought about Tottenham, and I think most people think this, if you're a fan, is that, all, the, all right, we haven't won many trophies compared to all the other comparably sized clubs. But when it comes to geniuses and entertainers, we could, we'll go up against anyone when it comes to amazing footballers. And, and then I thought, well, what are these geniuses? What sets them apart? And, and I think it is that they are gifted. They have something that they've just got naturally. It's a natural gift and flair. Most people say that uh, of a certain age that Jimmy Greaves is the greatest player they ever saw playing for Tottenham. People who are over, say, 60, the people who actually saw him play, say he's the greatest player that that they ever saw play. If you're under that age, a lot of people, then there's a debate to be had. But uh, I would say the the majority of people talk talk about Glenn Hoddle. So I've done this post Greaves, given the fact that we're all under 60. I've gone post Greaves, which which by implication accepts that Greaves may well be the greatest of all time. But since Greaves, how many other geniuses on his kind of level have we had? Let's say we had to choose five. So the five I've put out there, as you know, are Hoddle himself, Gascoigne, Klinsman, Ginola and Bale. And, and it's on the basis that they are they are supremely naturally gifted. Uh, now, it's kicked off. A few people have disagreed already on Twitter, and that's good. That's what we want. We want a healthy debate. First of all, I'm just going to ask you all one by one whether you think you would take any out of those five and replace them with someone else, starting with you, Paul. Yeah, I've had a good long think about this, Theo, and I think they're, they're you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great list. Um, I think after considerable thoughts, I would change one. I would have Luka Modric in there. I think you have to find a place for Luka Modric. Um and I think I would have him in, in ahead of Jurgen. Actually, um, I, I know Jurgen was a fantastic footballer. It's this word "gifted," isn't it? Whether how what what gifted means as compared yeah. to good, really. Um, Hoddle, peerless, um, Gascoigne for that one season. You know, possibly the best player in the world. If he hadn't got that knee injury against Forest in the Cup final, who knows how good he he, he could have been. Um, yeah. or, or, you know, fantastic players, but I, I can't leave out Modric. So, um, with a nod to to people like Berbatov and even Musa Dembele, who you know, if we're talking about the recent uh, vintage, I think they're they're right up there. Um, but yeah. I, I go Luca for Jurgen. My only change to your list. Okay, Rob. Yeah, I'm. Uh, so the the. Yeah, obviously, well, Hoddle and Gascoigne probably uh, go without, yeah, there is yeah. no argument. Bale, I would yeah. say there is no argument, although it took him a little bit of time to uh, reach the point that we wanted him to. I, For some reason, I've got a, a blind spot with Klinsman, and I don't know why that was. I was trying to work it out today whether it was one of the times where I... I'm trying to, a bit like you, actually, trying to wean myself off of, off of Tottenham for a year, you know, with, with the alcohol thing. But, um, no, I, I think... Um, so I, one of the players that I think is underrated, and I know he was a bit of a pain in the neck behind the scenes, but it would be Berbatov. And I think Berbatov had unbelievable amounts of skill and just a natural, uh, complete natural. And I think if you watched 
Klinsmann, it seemed like he had to work very hard to do what he did. Whereas there was some of the stuff I was talking at weekend about um, the goal that I was at Charlton where Berbatov scores that fantastic goal where he takes it around El Kalkuri on the halfway line. It's like Bergkamp, basically. He does this fantastic spin. Um, and there were times where you just thought, yeah, um, you know, that was the only player I would go to watch. Um, and the other one, I don't know. I mean, I struggle. I don't, I don't struggle. But the Ginola thing is, is, I can understand it definitely, but I'm not quite 100% sure yet who I will put in his place, really. Um, right. Yeah, it's interesting. Modric, uh, so when I was doing, when I was researching the book about my dad, I was sort of fascinated with what sort of player he was. And at the time, Modric was playing fantastic football. And I was talking to Jimmy Greaves about it. And I said, you know, was, was Modric anything like my dad? And he just shook his head and he said, nowhere near him. So mm-hmm. I know he got, to be, he got to be a fantastic... If it was Modric now, yes, I would put him in. But I'm not sure, again, at Spurs, um, there were flashes of it. So, yeah, I'm still undecided on Ginola. I, I, if anyone can persuade me, if anyone throws anyone in there to, to displace Ginola, I'll go along with that. Yeah. What about you, Jeff? I mean, I guess I'm the same. I think the two contentious places are Klinsman and, and Ginola for me. Um, interestingly, uh, I, I slightly disagree with Paul. I thought it's a it's a Ginola uh, Modric battle, uh, two fourteens. Uh, I think I'd plump slightly for Modric. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a pedant, by the way, so. There's part of me that wants to go back to the original question. Yeah, um, good. I, th- I think analyze, you know, well, interrogate the question. Potentially, there's someone like Edgar Davids in there um, that you know he might not have had his gifted years at Spurs, but the most gifted player to have played for Spurs. Perhaps he gets a look in. Um, I again with Modric, I think probably his better years were after he left us, um, whereas. You could argue Ginola had his best years at Tottenham. So ultimately, I think I go for Modric over Ginola. Um, it's it's a it's an entertaining list to pull up. I mean, one of the one of the players who made me convinced I was a Spurs fan in the first place was Chris Waddle. Um, uh, I don't think he gets a look in for this final five, but he's certainly one of my notable mentions. Mm. Um, and as you said at the start, you know, we are a club blessed with geniuses uh you know you, you almost don't want to stop at five and go in well who's the next five yeah. um because there's some cracking names on that list you know i think for most clubs someone like christian erickson would be a shoe in as one of their most gifted players yeah. um but for us he probably doesn't even make the long list yeah i agree i mean it's it, the, the question is um I, it's interesting that no one's talking about harry kane and i think it's right in a way because i think harry kane could end up if he stays let's 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 fantasize that he stays for the next three years and we win a couple of trophies he breaks the scoring record he'd have a case for being the greatest spurs player of all time and yet he doesn't get on this list because harry kane is one of those players a bit like alan shearer and 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 lots of other examples where he has made he's got to where he is out of sheer determination cleverness and uh, you know rather than a natural gift and when you look at it that way I'm talking about gifted players that's why you know I mean Klinsman some people have said on Twitter you can't have Klinsman who's only there a year and a bit and a bit later on but that's completely not the point how gift how naturally gifted was he, he was an amazing he's one of those players who sort of bounced across the turf he just had yeah. he had an extraordinary quality to him touch and finishing and everything and vision very very clever but then if you're really talking about gifted 
And if you're not necessarily saying that they were the best when they were with us, I certainly think Modric knocks at the door for me. What if, here's something really crazy. What about Adele Tarat? <laughs> well, I, I, I thought he was going to be a hell of a player. I was really excited about Tarat. I used to go to watch the reserves at Orient in those days when he was around. And um, I just felt it was it was unlocking it, wasn't it? But um, yeah. Uh, my, my son, actually, my my son always used to say to me, he was very young then, but he always used to say, no, no, dad, this guy's never going to make it. He just hasn't got the, the discipline. He, he's just, he's not going to, he's never going to be a team player. And I said, yeah, but he's a Spurs player. There's so much talent there. And, yeah. and it's incredible to think that now, apparently, he's, he's thriving as a, a defensive midfielder at Benfica, isn't he? You'd, you'd think that'd be that's last, exactly uh, right. That'd be the last... Yeah. Uh, role you would you would expect of him but I was disappointed when when Harry came I think he made a point of saying you know this lad can play and I thought Harry might unlock the potential there yeah but it was beyond him and you know he had his problems when he went to Fulham didn't he and you know he seemed to have a have a, a dodgy attitude but he's made it and and uh, he's made it in an, in, a, in an unfortunate position but going back to, to Harry I, I I think you can call Harry gifted actually as well as being very good you know and and, I, and I'm actually conversely um Optim- a bit more optimistic that he might stay with us forever um, after lockdown. I just think that the transfer fees are not going to be there, as we've said. I just can't see any, you know, £100 million transfers, let alone £200 million transfers. And I think this may have actually increased our chances of keeping him for, for, the, for the whole of his career. But we'll, we'll see about that. But um, but, he, but he is gifted as well as, as well as being very good, isn't he? I mean, the way he pings passes around when he plays deeper, you know, reminds yeah. me. Oddle at times, the, the, the passing ability. Yeah. And you, you can't make any higher praise than that, really. And um, um, so maybe there is a case that he should be on this list even even now. Yeah. He's yeah. just... What, what, he's just not a maverick genius in the in the sort of Ginola mold, but he is. Oh my my goodness, he does seem to have every a bit like Sheringham in that the centre an out and out Sheringham out and out centre forward, prolific goal scorer who could come deep and yeah spread it around like Hoddle had incredible vision and time on the ball and all that. Here are some other uh, names that came up. Uh, Harry Kane was mentioned on Twitter by Man About Dog, um, Van der Vaart has got yeah, a couple I of mentions. Would, I would have said Van der Vaart as well. I think he was in my brain. It's players that. I just love watching, and I think Van der Vaart, although actually I looked back at his um, stats and, and, and his whole career stats, he, he actually didn't win very much at all. And I was, I was sort of always of the opinion that when he came to us, he was showing the other players what it was like to be a, a proper footballer and a proper professional. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would sort of, it would be in my, in my thinking anyway. And it's interesting as well, you're going through them, but... It's, it's just typical Spursy because all we're looking at is forward-thinking players that have got, you know, touch. Yeah. We're not even... Because I've got Richard Goff here as a name of, of you know, somebody... Well, an unbelievable defender. Yeah. Uh, so we haven't and even... Le- Led- well, Ledley King was one of the greatest defenders I have ever seen yeah. and was gifted. In fact, I've just done one of my Life Goals podcasts with Bruce Crouch, who's Peter Crouch's dad. And he was telling me that they came up, they came through together. And he spotted them together, him and and he said that Ledley King at fourteen was absolutely astonishing. I mean, it was just it was just raw football gift. And at that age, Real Madrid, I never knew this, were trying to get him out of Tottenham at fourteen. So I agree, but I, I think what we're saying, I think this question is about those. I mean, the reason why Ginola got on my list was because, for example, when he was, you know, that year after France won the World Cup, they'd won the World Cup without Ginola and Cantona. Who were like two of the best players in the in Europe yeah. and the world and the world. And Ginella was so upset. I interviewed him for the one two five uh, 
film, he said he was so devastated that they'd won the World Cup without him, and he knew he was good enough, I mean, easily good enough to be in that team. If you, but he set about the following season made it his business to be the best player in Europe and possibly, you know, arguably the world. And if you remember, he won double football of the year and you watched him week in, week out. It was incredible what he was able to do on his own, you know, coming in from the left flank and scoring goals and just beating people for fun. He was big and strong as well. That kind of raw, natural, gifted uh, air, I mean, talent going forward was... um, something to behold and I suppose that's the difference with you. so Goff and King I mean unbelievable defenders but that sort of thrilling gift I suppose is what we're is what we're talking about here. other people have said um, Robbie Keane got a mention from Steve Game it was Huey by the way who mentioned Van der Vaart Robbie Keane mentioned uh, Steve Game said maybe Modric and or Keane over Ginola uh, not for me I do think Keane was great but I don't think he had the for me, had the, that out-and-out quality that, that Ginola had. Just having a look at some other names here. Uh, uh, who else came up? Berbatov comes up a lot. Berbatov's yeah, mentioned by lots of people. Yeah. And he certainly very much is on brief. That brief that we're talking about, attacking, unpredictable, incredible flair, incredible tricks. and But effective. They've got to be effective as well. It's no good just having tricks. I mean, Tarat, when he was with us, like you said, Paul, he never, gave, he never ever passed the ball, did he? But there's a show, there's a show, you can find showreels of him when he was at QPR uh, on YouTube. And he was just astonishing some of the goals he scored. If you talk to QPR fans, he saw him in his best form at QPR. I mean, for them, he's he's up there with Bowles and uh, Marsh, which is saying something. You know, he was, really was a one-man machine. He got them up on his own uh, one year, I think. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. I'm Jeff, and on my 40th birthday, I decided to give up drinking for a year. And I'm Matt, Jeff's drinking friend. And I'm not happy about it. Can I do a year sober? More to the point, will you be really dull? Will I still get invited out? And do you have to drink to be my friend? What am I going to drink instead? Welcome to Wet and Dry, a new podcast about sobriety, midlife crisis, male drinking culture, pubs and friendship. Someone here, Tom, Tom Teardork. Chuck says, I think Aaron Lennon doing what he did so consistently over a period of time is more gifted than a Klinsman who spent one full season with us. To me, that's a completely different criterion. I loved Alan, uh, Aaron Lennon. I quite like Alan Lennon as well. <laughs> but Aaron Lennon <laughs> was great. He was great and he was gifted, I think. It's but box office though, isn't it? You know, I yeah. think the, the Klinsman's... Good way of, yeah. 
they they sold tickets. They they put bums on seats. You know, even 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 in years when we weren't at our best. Um, which perhaps Aaron Lennon, as, as exciting as he was, he, he wasn't quite the same draw. I thought it was interesting when you were talking about David Ginola. Um, I've been watching the Michael Jordan series on, on Netflix, too, yeah. as, as I'm sure you have. And there is there is something about those magicians when you add a bit of motivation. It just lifts them to another level, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, actually, that you say that Ginola, it prompted him not being at the World Cup to think, I'm going to pull my finger out and do this. Yeah. Whereas somebody, I guess, like Michael Jordan, it's like, you know, the guy just does it. Um, his finger's permanently it, out. It becomes part of his life. And, I, you know, Ginola probably did it for a couple of years, got the uh, the Weller contract and then decided, oh, actually, it's a bit hard work. I can't be bothered. I'm yeah. going to get to the south of France. You've interviewed yeah, you you say that about Michael Jordan. There's a great quote in like the first film, I think, where one of his one of his co- or some expert. It's great watching because we don't know anything about basketball, but he's still riveting, isn't it? And this guy says the thing about Jordan is soon, you know, you watch him and you and you just think, my God, he's like the greatest ball player there's ever been, and he can just turn it on and off at will. And then he pauses and he says, but he never turns it off. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what game he plays. He is utterly brilliant in every game. And he said it's almost like he walks onto the court and thinks there will be people in this arena who have never seen me play. So I'm not going to I'm not going to play anything other than 100 percent because I want them to go away realizing what they've seen. Yeah, I mean, that's real greatness. And and some of it's interesting that some of the sorts of players that we're talking about, not all of them, but those Mavericks are the ones who, who can't always get motivated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's a fitness. I don't know. Because I was thinking when you were talking about Van der uh, there, it's a bit the same. I get the, I got the same feeling about Van der Vaart sometimes. He was going to pull everybody through with him. But then he wasn't fit. Clearly, he couldn't play more than 60 minutes most of the time because it was just his body was just giving up. Yeah. 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 Fitness is obviously see, a big thing. I couldn't see personally Ginola or, or Van der Vaart um, thriving in the, in the modern day football either. Could you? I mean, you know, I, could, I couldn't see either of them fitting into a Pochettino team, for instance, just Ginola in, for, for one, just didn't work hard enough, did he? And, and as you say, Van der Vaart couldn't, couldn't complete 90. Um, so the same about Berbatov as well, surely. Yeah. 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 Well, quite, quite possibly. Although there's, well, I mean, there's so much of Alan Gilzean about Berbatov. I think he might, uh, he might. Yeah. Sort of, many era, but I guess these guys would adapt, wouldn't they? Different eras, different times, different methods of playing, but certainly they'd have to, that Ginola for one used to drive George Graham mad, didn't he, with his lack of work rate. I mean, he'd never bothered us because he could do such wonderful things, but I think under Poch uh, for one, he'd have to, he'd have to change his ways. Well, Glenn Hoddle had a reputation for being a luxury player. He didn't track back and stuff, didn't he? I mean, that's how, that was always the excuse that England managers gave for not picking him. Yeah, it's true. I guess these guys are so good that you would back them to adapt, I guess, wouldn't you? Um, in their era, maybe they didn't have to do so much work, um, but uh, they, they probably have to play a bit differently now. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, uh, the thing about Hoddle was they said that sometimes he faded from games or sometimes he wasn't doing enough defensively, but he did stick his foot in, I think, and he wasn't... Wasn't one of those crazy Mavericks? Some of those guys like Stan Bowles, who was more really more interested in having a laugh and having a bet than he was. He was just so good at football. He just turn up and play and be brilliant, and then and then clear off again. Hoddle was into. I mean, he was very committed, wasn't he? He was a proper pro and everything. So I, I think he could adapt now. Gascoigne never wanted for energy, did he? But of course, he sometimes almost wasn't clever enough at um, sort of using it right. 
if you sort of, I mean, he was a, well, he had refueling issues, as it was once said, and he also he also used to just go charging around the pitch when it wasn't necessary. But, I mean, he was a one. He was one of the all-time greats. Wasn't he? I mean, who do you think out of this? Who do you think's the greatest out of these five, or any others that you that you think aren't in it? Well, well, for me, Hoddle's the greatest. I know I said Martin Chivers was my early hero, but Hoddle soon became my major football hero. I just I can see yeah. some of the passes in my mind now, let alone the goals. You know, um, uh, and and to me, he's the he's the he's the greatest player to have uh, represented Spurs, and always the one I'd I'd put at the top of any list like this. Yeah. Rob? Yes, not a bad shout. There was, I think, um, I don't know how many Spurs shows ago where the guy put the guy put a compilation of uh, Hoddle goals or Hoddle passes together on it. It was on DVD, and um, it was phenomenal when you looked at that. It was almost endless, this showreel. You talk about Tarap's showreel, Hoddle's. Yeah. When, when there wasn't as much coverage as well, that's the other thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I would say, yeah, and I think also, you know, if you talk to any of the old players, I know Mickey Hazard says it, Don McAllister said it, just training with Hoddle every day was incredible because this this stuff was not just saved for match days. It was every day, day in, day out. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're still not down to five. You do know that. But uh, <laughs> How do you mean? What do you mean? I've got four on my list. That's all I've got at the moment. And uh, I know we're having our, you know, our individual list. Actually, I think something you mentioned, which was quite interesting, was Son. Um, there's probably a discussion to be had around that if there's, you know. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for, I, I I put him on my list of, I think if if the current team played out their careers, I think Son is the one who might end up the legend. Um, he, oh, uh, he I, I think he has definitely got an international box office quality about him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I mean, still relatively. I don't know how old Son is. I think he might be about twenty-seven. And if he is, he's still got three or four at least years. He could get. I mean, he has definitely, without question, got better and better as he's uh, as he, uh, in his years at Tottenham, hasn't he? I would say definitely, definitely. Yeah, and um, I mean, there's some of the things that he does where you, you know, the energy is definitely there, the skill levels there. Some of the goals he scores are fantastic. Um, I still don't, yeah, I'm still, you know, I, I think, uh, so I've got Hoddle, Gascoigne, Bale, Berbatov on my list. Um, so you dropped, so you've got Hoddle, Gascoigne, Bale, Berbatov. Yeah. So you've, dro- so you've dropped Kilinsman and Ginola. You brought in Berbatov. Yeah. So you're looking for a fifth, but, you, um, but you're not sure who. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. So I'm still waiting to be persuaded. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess some logic would say it would, it would have to be one of Kane uh, or Son or if we could roll back and have Deli Ali at his best, you know, then perhaps. I'm just thinking ahead a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I guess I, I actually I haven't got the question in front of me, so I can't be quite, quite such a pedant about it as to whether uh, I can get these guys in. <laughs> Yeah, it's all it, it, oh, we lost we lost Paul for a bit, but he's back. Can no, you hear us, Paul? Yeah. Sorry about that. I just lost the connection there. Sorry, Theo. No, no <laughs> problem. No problem. So, um, so you, so Paul, Paul, you and I have got exactly the same um, football story when it comes to Tottenham because my first hero was Chivers, and then my ultimate hero became Hoddle. So I'd put Hoddle at number one with Gascoigne in a very, very close second. Who, who, uh, Rob reckons Hoddle. What did you say, Jeff? Did you say Hoddle out of this lot, the best of the lot? I'd love to, you know, be interesting and disagree with you guys. But I think it's, I think it's a full set of Hoddle. 
Yeah. And also, actually, you know, when you mentioned that show, Real Rob, you just think there's no way he couldn't play now. I mean, he would be absolutely as amazing. Better now. He'd be better because yeah. of the pitches yeah. and all that, wouldn't he? I mean, he could run a game. It's interesting that business of Tarat playing at the back of the midfield at Benfica because, of course, Hoddle ended up playing sweeper because the manager he was playing for saw the potential in him to play at the back of the pitch, spraying it around. And that manager was Glenn Hoddle. He said to himself, I'm going to play at the back because uh, I've got no pace now whatsoever, but I'm still the best passer in the bloody world. So I'll just sit back. I can see the game better than anyone and I can distribute the ball better than anyone. I was talking to a Chelsea fan this week who said he was absolutely brilliant as sweeper. And when he did finally run out of legs, he just got another one. And that was Rude Hullet. And that all of that tells you about what Hoddle, he just sort of transcended normal football thinking and... Yeah, I mean, here we are. We're all falling in love with Glenn Oddle again, not for for about the eight eight millionth time, I think. <laughs> I'm so sorry it didn't work out for him as manager. It really was a shame. I mean, for a while, I thought he was going to be a fabulous manager of Spurs, and he clearly had such a great football brain, you know, and, and supposedly he, he wasn't very good at the man management side of things, or he, he seemed to lose dressing rooms after a while, didn't he? But it's, it's such a shame. I remember actually Hoddle being booed, uh, White Hart Lane towards the end of his time as manager, a brief boo, but it broke my heart, you know, to hear that sort of that sort of reaction to, to Glenn Hoddle yeah. at White Hart. And if I've one regret as a Spurs fan, it was, it was that Hoddle didn't last longer, really, and didn't become a more successful manager for us. I think he had. I think you need a lot of luck as a manager, don't you? And I think he had some bad luck. He had a lot of bad injury luck when he was at Spurs. He didn't quite have the transfer backing that future managers got from Levy for whatever reason. Levy was still finding his feet as a chairman and was less inclined, I think, to back. Uh, he had some backing, but a lot of the players, if you remember, that he brought in were older type of players and players that were not. He put in people like Jamie Redknapp and. Um, Ferdinand, I think, brought Teddy Sheringham back and stuff. Good players, obviously, but not but players past their prime. I think if he'd again, if he'd if he'd been hired later on by a different Levy and a club with a with a slightly better financial situation and everything, and he'd had more luck with um, injuries, he could have been um, he could have been amazing. Again, this Chelsea fan I was talking about said they they were absolutely gutted when he left to be the England manager, you know. And even even his demise as the as the England manager wasn't really to do with uh, how the team did. It was to do with all that business with Eileen Drury and um, and uh, being quoted out of context and all that. But I mean, we really are raking over some old coals there. But yeah, I mean, you know, a conversation like this always ends up with us all uh, hailing Glenn Hoddle. Is there anyone we haven't mentioned who should be mentioned in this breath? Who's good? I was pleased to hear Chris Waddle mentioned by Jeff. Our, our delays, actually, I would, oh, I yeah. would probably put. He was definitely a gifted player. It, yeah, it, in some ways... A bit like the the Modric character who played a little bit deeper in the midfield, but just had astonishing vision and touch and just a great footballer. Yeah, and and how about Dembele? You know, for the for the team that so nearly won the league under Pochettino um, for a while there, he was just extraordinary, wasn't he? And and you speak, you know, you hear when you are, you hear Spurs players of that time asked who their favourite player was, they they invariably say say Musa Dembele, and and you know the, maybe the start of the decline of the of the Pochettino team can be traced back to when Dembele finally started to, to lose it really. I couldn't, couldn't uh, get on top of the injury problems he had, but I thought he was an extraordinary talent. You know, if we, if, if we're going to use that word gifted again, uh, I think yeah. he's right there in, in, in recent, uh, recent memory. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Pedant in me uh, again says, uh, you know, if you're going to include gifted at finding the back of the net, you've got to give Lineker at least a mention, haven't you? Yeah, out and out scorer, out and out scorer. I mean, definitely right up there. But I mean, 
he's not going to go round three three players, and he's not going to. I suppose that would be the difference. But certainly in his in his specialism, yeah, one of the all time greats. I mean, the, all the stats will tell you that. I mean, he did it at, uh, did it at lot, several big clubs, and uh, you know, scored more goals for England than than, uh, than about only about three players scored more goals for England, etc. Scott's got a golden boot in a World Cup, yeah. I think I think it's worth a shout. Again, he was a bit of a goal poacher, wasn't he? He'd have to adapt his game a bit, you think, wouldn't he? he wouldn't be allowed to just hang around and wait for the ball in the six-yard box, which he which he seemed to do a lot of the time. But, yeah. but he was a finisher. Yeah, yeah. Well, lads, I think I think we've covered it. Uh, it's um, it's I I must say I've. I, there's nothing better than just talking about all these great Tottenham players, all these great <laughs> players. You just see them as you're talking. You can see them in the white shirt, either from up, up in your seat or on the television. And it does make you proud because, I mean, the whole premise, as we said right at the beginning, is all, all right, we haven't won as many cups as uh, the Goons or, the, or United or Liverpool or whatever. But we will put up our 10, 5, 10, 15, whatever they want. Genius is against theirs and we've got every chance of being the best I mean, there is that stat, you know, Tottenham have got more more players played for England, I think, than I think than any other club. I think there's more Tottenham players played for England than any other club, which will tell you about quality of personnel. Someone may disagree, but certainly in the top two or three, I think we might be number one. Anyway, that seems like a good note to end it on. I'd like to thank you all for coming for this special lockdown Spurs show. Great to have you for the first time, Jeff and Paul. Thanks for coming along. Thank you. Great to Thanks for coming along as always, Rob. Pleasure. And uh, and I look forward to the wet and dry podcast, Jeff. I'll be checking that out. It sounds like a winner. Excellent. And uh, to everyone listening around the world, thanks for tuning in once again. And uh, we'll be back next week as usual. This is Thea Delaney signing off in London saying, Coward, you Spurs. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.